0: Welcome to Bone Talk. Today, we're talking to Claire Gill, the CEO of the National Osteoporosis Foundation, otherwise known as NOF. Over the last 18 months, the foundation has undergone a significant rebranding process and has been recently renamed the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation. While NOF has done a lot of good work over its 37-year history, the leadership team recognized that there is still much more to do. Osteoporosis is responsible for approximately 2 million broken bones each year, and the implications of these fractures are both costly and devastating. In addition, an increasing aging population, a prevalence of unhealthy lifestyle behaviors, and continued stigma surrounding osteoporosis only reinforce and spotlight the work that needs to be done. Over the last several years, NOF has done a lot to address the patient journey, including prevention but post-fracture care has been the focus of most programs and activities. By evolving to build a bigger, bolder brand, the foundation aims to expand its focus on prevention in addition to osteoporosis diagnosis and treatment. NOF is rising to the challenge of building a nation of men and women with healthy bones for life. In fact, the new name, which is the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation, and the new tagline, "Healthy Bones." build them for life, encompass these expanded efforts. I'm excited to talk to Claire today to get her perspective on the history of the organization, the rebranding process, and what she has in store for the future. Claire, welcome. Hi, Karina.
1: Thanks so much for talking with me today about the history of NOF and where we're headed.
0: I know. I'm so excited. It's been a long process over the last 18 months, and You know, when we get started here with our conversation, I think it'd be great to kind of back up a little bit. So if we could start by learning a little bit about the history of NOF and your professional involvement, that'd be a great place to start.
1: Well, thanks. Well, um, the organization itself uh, was founded in 1984, and it came about after the National Institute of Health held a consensus conference about osteoporosis. And really, what they were looking to do was kind of bring together all that there was about the scientific knowledge about osteoporosis. And, you know, it really represented all of the fields that encompass those who take care of osteoporosis and osteoporosis patients, including orthopedics, endocrinology, gynecology, rheumatology, epidemiology, nutrition, biochemistry, and of course, family medicine. And so there was definitely this consensus that something needed to be done to address what was happening with people and their bone health in the US. And so that's really how the organization came about. You know, after this consensus conference, the people who were participating got together and decided that they really needed to have an organization that helped both clinicians and patients learn more about bone health and stay on top of all of the latest information about it. So, you know, the organization developed from there. And there was an effort back then in the early mid to mid-80s to declare the first, you know, National Osteoporosis Prevention Week at the time, which was in May, and that passed in Congress. And then the organization continued to develop. And we started in partnership with the International Osteoporosis Foundation, the leading journal Scientific journal in osteoporosis, which is called Osteoporosis International. And then, you know, continue to work from there to both assist patients who had osteoporosis, their caregivers, and then, as I said, the healthcare providers who who helped to treat and manage osteoporotic care. So, my relationship with the organization was I joined in 2013, the very beginning of 2013. I'd had a background in uh, communications, public relations, and marketing. And I had spent at that point about half my career in nonprofit work and half of it in, in private and business side. And I was really intrigued by nonprofit work and the mission of NOF. And I came to the organization really focusing more on that marketing communications aspect of it and started to learn more about the disease and how it impacts people and just felt there was so much that we needed to do. And Obviously, you know, what people tell us all the time is, you know, people need to know more about it. We need to communicate more about it. And mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of how I came into the organization. But there was still so much that was, you know, interesting and frustrating, I have to say to me at that time, in that there were so many questions I had, even as a communications professional about how best to communicate this, that I really started working with the leadership then and the board to say, I think we have a few things we need to kind of get in order. You know, before we really think about all of these big campaigns we seem to think we need. But it's really some of the foundational communications that we needed to get in order with the organization. And so that's what I did for several years. And then in May of 2020, I took over as CEO. So that's kind of how we arrived at today.
0: Great. That's great. So you've been with the organization a long time and you've seen a lot of change, but you've also wanted to... Influence that change and move the organization into a new direction. Tell us a little bit about you know when and and why you decided to rebrand NOF.
1: Well, the the when it was really I've been sort of talking about it and uh, and thinking <laughs> about it since I since I really started with the organization because again, as I mentioned, you know we were founded in 1984. We had a mission to you know prevent fractures you know do scientific research education programs for clinicians and patients and we were doing all of that but you know I wondered why myself as a new person to the organization why people didn't know more about bone health I mean I grew up during the days of the milk mustache campaign which some people <laughs> will remember and I'm dating myself but we grew up drinking whole milk when we were young and or at least drinking milk. And you know, paying attention to bones and to calcium and to things like that. And and I think so that generation I grew up on that was, you know, really aware of it. And then why did it stop? That's kind of why I was really confused. You know, where did it level off where after parents got their kids to drink milk growing up for strong bones, we tended to forget about it then for the rest of the lifespan. And so I really wanted to look at the brand and say, you know, what have we been doing? What's worked well? And what do we need to continue to do? And where might there be gaps that we could be doing better? You know, and particularly for the people we're trying to serve, which is the general public. You know, in many ways, how you know, what do they want us to do as an organization? And how can we make this a more interesting and important part of their daily lives, their bone health? When I joined as the CEO, or took over, I should say, as the CEO it was one of the things that i talked with the board about that i thought really if we were going to use our time wisely and make a decision about the future of the organization and where we wanted to go we really needed to look at the brand to begin with right start where you stand right and where are we today based on all that that we've done and where do we need to go so that's really how it came about and the board agreed that it was a good time to take stock of where we are and You know, it was just coincidentally that we all went into lockdown right around (laughs) that time. So again, you know, it was March, 2020. I think we started in June, July to really begin the process of the rebrand. And we hired a brand consultant who um, had a lot of experience doing branding initiatives for nonprofits and for-profit companies. And she also had a personal connection to osteoporosis it was in her family. So that was really interesting, too, to have someone who was, you know, very aware of what the organization was doing, and how it had impacted her family. And so, you know, she brought that passion to leading us through the rebrand process.
0: Definitely, definitely. Uh, that was part of my next question, which is, you know, the pandemic, we've all been going through so much over the last couple of years with the pandemic and COVID. and you know now is a challenging and interesting time to rebrand but it is necessary because bone health it's a lifelong journey and it's a lifelong effort and it's so important to focus on it from childhood through adulthood and and even our later years but going back to the actual rebrand process i know you know you had the board involved you had created a task force there was really a lot that went into that and you know, it's so much more than just a logo. It's also looking at the strategic direction. It's thinking about the programs that you've offered to the patient community, the clinical community. So what do you feel like are some of, going to be some of the key focus areas going forward? And how, how do you want to see the foundation evolve?
1: Well, well, let me start with what you said about like the rebrand process. And that's really important, I think, for people to know. And for people who are in marketing and have done you know, branding work before, then we realize there really is a process to it, right? And it's not necessarily a scientific process. It's sort of a mingling of a scientific mm-hmm. and artistic process, right? There's an art to it because, obviously, when you're communicating about a brand, that's more an art than a science. But there are you know, definitely details and data that are really important into formulating that process. So We started by doing in-depth interviews with people within the NOF network, people who have known the organization and worked with the organization for a number of years, as well as people who were in similar roles or in the healthcare field but did not have a relationship with NOF, right, and to sort of gauge what they thought of the organization and what they expected of a nonprofit working in the osteoporosis field and see like how we measured up to that, right? So that's kind of how we looked at that from both within and then, you know, interior and exterior view of the organization and the work that we do. So those were in-depth interviews with, I would say, about a dozen key stakeholders. And then we did some baseline research where we went out to the general public and asked them what they knew about osteoporosis, about bone health, and if they had heard of the National Osteoporosis Foundation, right? And then we also did that with other audiences. We did it with our clinical audience, like the the healthcare professionals we serve that are in our database. We did it with donors who are in our database and asked them to sort of answer those same questions. We asked patients, we asked caregivers, and then some people might know, we talk frequently on this podcast about our online community, which is hosted by Inspire. Now we have about 80,000 people that are on that. But at the time, it was in the mid-70,000s. And we asked them the same kind of questions. You know, What did they think of the organization? What did they know about osteoporosis and bone health, et cetera? So we took all of that information and sort of evaluated it based on what the organization was doing now. Right? What programs were people aware of? What did they think we should be doing that perhaps we weren't doing? And as you said, we had a task force that the board of trustees appointed, which was made up of both clinical representatives and then patient and caregiver representatives. And so that smaller group worked with me and our marketing team to develop the, the process and to kind of look through all of the data and kind of report back on what that was. So um, the very short part of the long story is, you know, what really came out of that was that people were very pleased with what NOF was doing to prevent fractures, particularly secondary fractures, but they really wanted us to focus also on prevention. And so many of the patients that we spoke with and so many that we hear from on a regular basis have said and continue to say, I wish I'd known about this sooner. I wish I knew about this when I was in my 40s and 50s. You know, particularly women as they were entering menopause, right? At that they wish they knew then that they were going to lose up to 20% of their bone mass at that time. And although we did talk about it, it wasn't as big a focus for us. Over the years, the organization had really narrowed our focus on secondary fracture prevention as I said. That was sort of the low-hanging fruit, right? We were missing mm-hmm. and still are missing 80% of people who fall and fracture a bone due to osteoporosis, don't get any follow up. Don't get any, you know, follow up from their doctors, and no treatment options. It's not even discussed. So, really, we felt as a crisis, you know, that was where we needed to focus, and I think rightfully so. But as we continue to do that, there was a big push for us to also focus on prevention. So that was how the process came about, and then. Second part of your question about, you know, what do I think will happen from here? As you mentioned, our new name is now Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation, and I think that's really a, a clear signal that we are going to not only focus on the disease osteoporosis, but we're also going to focus on how do we help people build strong bones and maintain those bones and hopefully prevent the disease moving forward. And I think that's going to take a lot of effort from everyone involved, right? We've really, over the last many years, realized that we have to look at this from a like a 360 point of view. We have to think about what type of clinical training needs to be done so that healthcare professionals know about the warning signs, the risks of osteoporosis within their patient population and what to do about it when they recognize that their patient potentially has that a high risk of fracture and then we need to focus on patients or the, the general public really and make sure that they know from adolescence through the you know their senior years bone health plays such an important role in their overall health right and you shouldn't have to wait until you break a hip to realize how important your bone health is and so we really need to do more that again focuses on that prevention aspect. And then there's the advocacy part of it. And we formulated the National Bone Health Institute in 2018 when we recognized that this was really an important part of it because clinicians or healthcare professionals weren't focusing on osteoporosis within their system and capturing all the patients that come in who've broken a bone and coordinate all of their care with you know every doctor within the system because it's not reimbursable under Medicare for them to spend that kind of time being able to address, you know, the the care pathway for bone health, the way there is for cardiac care, for instance, or for diabetes care, which I think anybody listening to this podcast knows, you know, there's protocols in place, you would never go to a hospital with a heart attack, and have them let you leave without putting you on aspirin or beta block or, and telling you that you needed to follow up with a cardiologist. But people fracture a bone over the age of 50 and are seen in the emergency room, and they get that bone you know, patched up or casted and whatever, or the hip surgery, and then they're sent on their way. And often, like I said, 80% of the time, they're never told that the reason that bone fractured is probably because they have a problem with their bone density and could potentially have osteoporosis. So they need to get a DEXA, a bone density test. They need to follow up with their doctor to make sure that they can get their vitamin D levels tested and their calcium level tested. Find out, you know, again, a, a long family history. Did anyone else in their family break a bone? You know, do they smoke? All of those things. We let people walk out of, a you know, the hospital after they got their bone fixed and nothing's ever done to follow up on that. So, putting those care pathways, that's what they're called, in place actually requires some work with the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid and Health and Human Services on the the national level to say, this is standard practice. This is what you should do in this situation. And so, we've been doing a lot of work in that area. And I expect we'll continue to do work in that area. But again, it's looking at bone health from a young age through our senior you know senior citizens and making sure that we're addressing the needs of all people throughout the lifespan.
0: And I think a lot of people would be shocked to know how many millions of people are affected by low bone density and osteoporosis. I mean, I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 million and so focusing on it from that young age through adulthood through your senior years is important and from all these angles when it comes to you know policy the clinical care the caregivers, patients, just it it just affects so many different types of people and so many millions of people. So I'm glad to hear that NOF is focused on so many areas and doing so much. And you know, looking forward, we have a lot of big changes that are rolling out. And my next question is about, you know, success. Like what does success look like to you in terms of, you know, these new initiatives?
1: Well, that's a really good question. And, you know, interestingly, as we were going through the rebrand process, I had several, even of our, you know, trustees sort of saying, well, great. Well, after we change the name, how long until we solve the crisis, you know, is that going to, you know, make a difference and really motivate people to all of a sudden pay attention to bone health? And so, you know, again, when we talk about a brand and what what it means and what it does, certainly changing the name of the organization, as you said, creating a new logo, which I really like. I hope everybody else likes him too. But that doesn't solve the crisis in osteoporosis. Right? That is really us taking stock, again, of where we were and where we are and where we hope to be and saying that we really felt we needed to focus on bone health as much as we focus on osteoporosis. And that's literally what we changed in our name, right? But what's incumbent upon us now is that we take action that move us towards being the organization that I hope we will be moving forward that helps to eradicate this disease and makes it something that people are much more aware of. So what does success look like? I think there's Small successes every single day that we have to look at. I think every time we help a patient or a caregiver understand more about what is happening with their bone health and what it means for them, and to help them understand that it is manageable, you know, it's very much sometimes a devastating thing when people find out that their bones are, you know, not not as strong as they thought they they would be, or they've been breaking bones and wondering what was going on, and then they finally get diagnosed and are like, God, you know, I didn't know this was happening, and what do I do, right? So, I think we have to look for those successes. Every time we reach somebody like that and help them to manage their bone health is a success. I also think every time we help clinicians understand more about what's the latest information, That they need to know, the scientific information that is relevant to them helping their patients, that's also success. But what I'd like to see in the big picture is that bone health becomes a greater priority on America's health agenda. And by that, I mean success in advocating for a care pathway that becomes standard practice, you know, and that CMS for the Medicare population reimburses to have a clinician available to chart that care pathway, the same way that they do for diabetes educators, as I mentioned, and the same way that we do for cardiac care. I think that's going to be something that will show that we are taking bone health as seriously as we do other chronic diseases. And then, you know, ultimately, the success is helping future generations to avoid bone loss, severe bone loss and that's by reaching parents and letting them know how important it is to get the proper nutrition and the proper exercise for their, their kids as they're growing up into their adolescence and young adulthood and then again helping people throughout their lifespan remember that what you do to prevent other chronic diseases eating healthy a healthier diet and getting you know exercise sufficient exercise are just as important for bone health as they are for, you know, your overall well-being and your cardiac health and, and everything else that we we pay attention to. So, that's what I think ultimate success is. How we're going to get there is with collaboration. I mean, we're a small organization. Even though we do an incredible amount of work, we are not the size of the American Heart Association. In fact, I talked with the new leader of the Osteoporosis Society in the united kingdom and so obviously there's osteoporosis organizations around the world and they too had a new CEO and he and i have been uh, have been chatting every six months or so and we were talking during the pandemic about the impact on the office and the staff and he was saying that they have a staff of 47 people and that was a downturn for them and um, when you think about the size of the united kingdom and they have their osteoporosis society has a staff of forty-seven, and we're in the United States, you know, which is obviously much larger, and we have a staff of eight. And so, really, I think we've been doing incredible, incredible work, and I'm so proud and appreciative of the team at NOF who works so hard every day to bring about all of the programs that we offer to both patients and caregivers and clinicians, and also incredibly grateful to the board of trustees who are. Practicing clinicians, in many cases, and also public trustees who are patients and caregivers themselves who volunteer their time and effort to this organization to make sure that we're doing the very best we can and who had the vision to say, let's look at what we're doing and how we can do it better. And so, really excited that they have all put so much effort into this process and I'm excited about where we're going. And I hope to collaborate more with other organizations. You know, as we talked about, there's so much comorbidity, right? When I talk about diabetes and cardiac, it's also because many osteoporosis patients also suffer from those chronic diseases as well. So we need to be doing more together so that as you're learning about diabetes, you're also learning how that might impact your bone health. And as you're learning about cancer, God forbid, but if you have cancer, particularly breast cancer or prostate cancer, that you're told... That there's going to be an impact on your bones as well. And that your care team is looking out for your bone health as much as they are to, you know, get you through through your cancer treatments as best as possible. And the same thing with cardiac, right? The cardiologies, and that we make sure that people who have other chronic diseases associated with, with bone mm-hmm. loss know about that potential. And we can work collaboratively to to bring about better results. So that's a long way of saying <laughs> what I think success will look like.
0: That's wonderful. There's there's so much going on. There's so much that's happened in the last 18 months, and there's so much that's going to be happening in the future. And I really appreciate you coming on today to share with everybody about this whole process and what your strategic vision is for the foundation going forward. So with that, you know, I just wanted to say thank you. And everybody, thanks for joining us today. We're going to have links to episode resources at bonetalk.org. And for more information about how to keep your bones strong and healthy for life, please visit us at BoneHealthAndOsteoporosis.org. Finally, please do two things. One, subscribe to Bone Talk so that you never miss an episode. And two, please share with all your friends and family. Thanks, everyone.